You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays at 4 p.m. and is heard exclusively here on internet radio station OC Talk Radio. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen to the program live during our broadcast time here on the station. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better decisions. If you are listening to the program live today and you're expecting to hear my interview with Chris Relf of Artemis Search Partners. Uh, stay tuned because he'll be with us in about 25 minutes calling in from a vacation. Yes, he's taking time away from a well-deserved vacation to be a part of our radio program. And if you're listening to the program live and you'd like to maybe join in the conversation later with Chris or upcoming shortly with Tom Ryan, who is founder and chief concept officer for Smashburger, the easy way to do that is to find the community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website, log in with your Twitter handle. This will connect you to our show engineer. Today it's Paul Roberts. Paul will bring to my attention any ideas, questions that you may have for either of our two guests, and possibly I can work them into the conversation. I've asked Tom Ryan to be a part of the show to kind of discuss, among a variety of topics, uh, the key ingredients for Smashburger's success. They're an international firm, and Tom is known for developing business-building concepts and marketing programs throughout his career. Tom received his Ph.D. in flavor and fragrance chemistry from Michigan State University, so it gives me great pleasure to welcome Tom Ryan to Critical Mass Radio Show. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, Rick. It's great to be here today. Thanks for having me. Let's begin by asking you to talk a little bit about your professional path to Smashburger. Yeah, you know, it's been a it's been a great it's been a great journey for me personally. You know, folks who graduate in my degree tend to end up in a very technical discipline for long terms in their career. Early on, I decided to kind of get more involved on the consumer side of things, and so moved very quickly through a couple stints at Procter & Gamble in Pillsbury through package go- on packaged goods and really wanted to be on the cutting edge of where trends were developing. And that led me to the restaurant industry, which is really on the food side of things, where, you know, the next generation of, of really fad and fashion and fixture really happens. And so, you know, early in my career in 1988, I made a move from packaged goods to Pizza Hut, had the pleasure of working under the PepsiCo umbrella, did some really great stuff there with great teams. You know, Stuff Crust Pizza was a wonderful um, adventure for me personally. You know, I led that development. I had this scintilla of the idea. It did over a billion dollars in sales its first year, still is doing that every year. Um, and so, you know, I kind of got the bug and the knack for wanting to continue to innovate in a space where there was such such consumer immediacy. That led me, you know, over my career to great stints at McDonald's, which is a fabulous company. I enjoyed my tenure there. Did, did more marketing-oriented things, ended up the worldwide chief concept officer, and along the way 
you know, did parfaits and McGriddles and worked with ma- magical people and, and marvelous people. And it led me to more of, more of an entrepreneurial path, Rick, to be honest with you, and took me to Denver after I decided to, to kind of chuck a corporate life and become more entrepreneurial. And here we are in 2012, almost 2013, with a five-year-old concept called Smashburger, which for me is a dream come true to move from doing product only to doing full concept, which is, you know, total menu, total decor, service systems, kitchen engine development, all those things, and have the consumer response to Smashburger be what it's, what it's become, which is overwhelmingly positive, has been just a great journey for me and very rewarding. And I think the most rewarding part for me is seeing, you know, how much opportunity it spawns for so many other people, be they junior executives, senior executives, and actually people in every market where we do business. So the serendipity of that is hard to replicate, I think, but, but, it, but it's, it's great to talk about, and it has been a blessed path for me. So, Tom, how did you decide that burgers were your passion? You know, it's pretty simple, Rick. When I was at McDonald's, um, and looking not just at McDonald's, but the entire kind of fast food burger category, it was pretty clear to me and others that 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 category, which was purveying probably 80% of the world's burgers, was focused on price, value, and convenience, which are great things to be focused on. But, But here we found ourselves in the middle of the first millennium of 2000, the first decade of 2000, of the new millennium, where we had people... America's favorite food was still professed to be the burger, but there wasn't a burger to be found in the marketplace that people could get passionate about. And and it was that opportunity, the ability to take America's favorite food, the burger, and bring the passion and the occasion relevance and the modernity back to that concept, that simple burger-centric concept, was really appealing. And I kind of intuitively knew that if we did it well and we did it right, and we focused on occasions more than just product, that we would reinvigorate the burger, you know, category. And, and here we are, you know, kind of proving that to ourselves and customers every day. So that leads me very naturally then to ask you to uh, help us to understand from your perspective as founder and chief concept officer, what's the concept behind Smashburger? On your website, you describe Smashburger as a, place with a burger soul. So what differentiates your experience in your space? Sure, ma- many things, um, and, and I'm going to try to articulate this as quickly as I can. But first of all, when we decided to design a smash burger concept, it wasn't first about the product. It was about what occasions should burgers be in that they're currently not. And what I mean by that is people were using the vast majority of burger purveyors for convenient food, cheap lunches, those kind of things. I wanted burgers to become a date night destination, um, a girl's night out, a boy's night out, a family night with dinner. And, and, and burgers, you know, that, that those occasions had gone to other places with much broader menus, but with menus with food on it that wasn't nearly as popular and relevant as burgers. So that was, that's, that was one design-based innovation that we had in the back of our mind all the time. The second one was to be added value and differentiated at every turn, which means we needed a burger that was flavorful that you could taste in every bite. We needed to have shakes and sides that stood up to those burgers, like Haagen-Dazs shakes, like we have. Our smash fries are tossed with fresh rosemary, garlic, and olive oil. We wanted to have enough menu variety, chicken sandwiches, both crispy and grilled, 
great, you know, as big as your head, delicious salads, hot dogs, um, a full line of sides other than smash fries. We need the menu variety to drive the occasion relevance as well. And then if you talk about the service and the differentiation there, Rick, you know, at Smashbury you walk in and, yes, we are fast casual. You order at the counter. But after that, the rest of the experience is more like a full dining experience. Our food is served restaurant style, you know, open face with plates, you know, metal silverware, real glassware, you know, our beer is served in frosted glass mugs. We have beer and wine. And then on top of that, you know, we bring the food to you. So there's no microphones. There's no... Um, eating out of a bag or eating unwrapped. And as I tell my wife, if I would have taken you, you to a place on a date where you had to eat out of a bag, it would probably be my last date. And so we really added, I think, this modern aesthetic value to the occasion and wrapped around it great food and great service. And that kind of is putting burgers back into people's lives. And I think that's the magic of Smash Burger, besides the smashing technique for our burger. Which is embedded inside the name as well. Okay, so we're, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought. We're going to come back and talk about that as well as a variety of other questions that I have for you today here on Critical Mass Radio Show, Tom. We're going to just ask our guests to stay with us. Audience, go nowhere. Uh, I'd like you to spend just a little bit of time with our advertisers. And then when we come back, I'm going to ask Tom Ryan to tell us about his guiding principle, the overarching belief that he has that leads him as he's leading and growing Smashburger. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back after these words from our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group.
You're listening to Critical Mass Radio Show, heard live here on octalkradio.net, and I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our guest today, our first guest today, is Tom Ryan, founder and CCO of Smashburger. And before the break, I said I was going to ask Tom to share with all of us the guiding principle that he's using to successfully grow Smashburger. Tom, could you share with us your guiding principle? Yes. Uh, you know, my guiding principle is a pretty simple one. And that's and basically it revolves around people, and that's that no one wins alone. I, I really believe we believe as a culture that teamwork and and support of that team and collab- collaboration and alignment is really important. And so we actually operate Smashburger under the auspices. We have two two little buzzes that we use. One is Smashburger first, which means decisions that we need to make uh, should always be made on what is the long, what is long-term the most valuable decision for the brand. And then second is one Smashburger, which means even though we are a, a split company, meaning we run corporate stores and franchise stores, we operate our system with one voice, with one level of management. And basically what I believe, what we all believe, is that keeps us aligned and it keeps us very modern. In, a, in an environment where franchising can often get contentious. And so I, I think to start something in, in 2007 and expect it to be any different than anything else without managing under a different set of principles is going to take you, you know, it's kind of folly. And so very early on, we made a decision to be modern and differentiated on every turn, including the way we manage the brand and the people in it and our partnerships. And so it really is a simple, it's a simple guiding principle, which is, regardless of the infrastructure and whose capital and whose money it is involved in the business, that we manage this brand with one voice, one vision, and and one level of communication, and everybody's equal. So I think that's been a fabulous um, mantra. It certainly differentiates us in in the world of franchising. You know, our partners that come to us that want to get involved in our brand find us to be highly differentiated, you know, we treat our we treat our shareholder, our, our franchise partners more as investors in the brand than a revenue stream, which is which is typical, you know, which is not typical for the business, but but very typical for people who are looking for fast growth like we are. So I think the guiding principle is treat people fairly, have everybody aligned. We manage Smashburger with one voice, one vision, and, and we put the brand first. And I think everybody aligns behind that very well. Thank you for sharing the most powerful guiding principles. Sometimes are the simplest to understand and certainly the easiest to articulate. And I appreciate you sharing yours with us. I know that you have uh, my latest numbers that I saw were 178 locations. Maybe you've grown past that now. You can correct me if that number is not correct. But I'm wondering, how do you compete against larger, more entrenched competitors Tell us why you're out here on the West Coast today in Southern California. So just give us a sense for how you're able to compete against larger competitors in your space. Sure. That, and and I, I'd love to answer that. First of all, uh, you know, it's really an interesting question about the number of stores we have. As I'm sitting here in Orange County today, we have 180. And when I wake up tomorrow morning, we're going to have 184. And that's kind of testament to the level of growth that we're seeing around our, our brand every day. Um, and, we're, and I'm actually here to open our first store um, in, in Orange County. Um, the answer to the question, though, is is how do we compete? And, and I really think that there is a sea change going on in the marketplace. There are brands that have been built and have built their equity in basically satisfying the needs of what I would call the last generational customers. And, and obviously their infrastructure, their design, their service systems, all those things kind of reflect 
what was relevant. I, I think the way to differentiate yourself and win in a world where there are other behemoths is not to take them on directly. You know, we don't compete with any behemoth directly. But what we do do is we compete with a lot of different a lot of different chains and and brands because of our high level of differentiation. And what's driving that differentiation is a desire to be what I call next generational. We are building the expectation for what a burger place ought to be for the next generation of consumers, at not at the expense, but leaving behind some of the elements that may have been important for the last generational ones. And, you know, we never say never, but I'll give you an example. Our, our food is served, like I said, restaurant style. We don't have drive throughs the, the food aesthetic, the, the, if you look on TV, you know, every station is featuring something about food. Food is taking on kind of a European epic value added in, in American lifestyles, and we believe that the next generational brands have to address that, not by being ultra gourmet or fancy, but by focusing on high-quality ingredients and menu variety and service systems that allow people to enjoy each other instead of have to experience the service at the restaurant at their time expense. And so all those elements add up to the dimensions that I built into the Smashburger concept, and all of those things I believe are going to be more and more relevant as we move into the next generation, the next two or three decades. And I think that's why we're winning and differentiating ourselves against kind of the, the, the broad-based, the broad large-market kind of status quo. Tom, do you think you would, Smashburger would be on its current growth path if you hadn't had the tenure at, at Pizza Hut, PepsiCo, and McDonald's? Do, do you see how you could have gotten there without that experience, or was that experience so um, in, in, integral to where you were when you launched this concept? G- give me a sense uh, for that. Yeah, it, it, Rick, I will tell you that there is no way my life path would be where it is without having experienced those things. And when I say those things, I mean the good part of those things, I mean the bad part of those things, I mean the people part of those things. All of those situations and, and experiences added perspective and knowledge and I think wisdom that allowed me to see the weaknesses of those last generational concepts and the power of being next generational, and at the same time taught me the principles of doing your consumer homework and making sure that you had fiscal responsibility across all your departments and that you had, you know, uh, that you managed not just for the consumer to win, but also for your operators to win and your shareholder to win, which is a great dimensional aspect that I learned when I was in my PepsiCo day. So the simple answer is there's no way the concept would be where it is or I would where I am today in the context of this concept without having those experiences. So, so it is integral. It's added value. It, it, it just happened to be the life path that, that, that it took me to understand the things I needed to see to be able to do what we're currently doing. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? You know, uh, my kids ask me that all the time, and it's a great question. I never, uh, You know, if somebody would have asked me 15 years ago if I was going to be doing this, I would have said, you've got to be kidding me. I can't imagine myself doing this. Um, I, I think in the last decade, you know, I've been surrounded by my partners at Consumer Capital Partners are very entrepreneurial, and they've been excellent, excellent examples and inspirations to me to make the transition from being, you know, corporate and responsible to being entrepreneurial and responsible. So I actually will tell you that at the ripe old age of 55, 
you know, I'd become entrepreneurial more in the last five years than the 20 years that preceded that. And, and I, I think that's the environment I'm living in. I think it's the mentorship of my partners around me. And I think it was just glomming on to a fabulous idea at the right time in the right place. Great answer. Thank you. I, 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 um, I love to have all the guests on the radio program. It's a particular kick in the pants when I get a corporate person who was successful in the corporate world who's also then been successful as an entrepreneur because there are different skills required to be successful in those two very different environments. Last question for you today here on Critical Mass Radio Show, Tom, is tell me about the growth opportunity facing Smashburger. You're already on a very, based on your the numbers that you threw out here a little earlier on the program, you got that part of it dialed in, but uh, I'd love to have you back on the program at some point in the future. Can, can you tell us about where you see the growth and as you successfully leverage that, how is it going to impact the business and you and the employees and sort of the brand? Sure. Well, you know, the, the simple answer is that I think if you believe the premise of, of this sea change going on among brands, then, then the, the headspace for growth in, in our concept and concepts like us is, is unbelievably large. And we happen to believe that, that there's a tremendous amount of future growth based on the, the modern consumer turning toward a more aesthetic, differentiated, and added value brand. So, so our prospects look very bright relative to the marketplace, the marketplace turning more into us than away from us. And, and the evidence of that is the, the response to the concept and concepts, other concepts like us, the appeal for this concepts both domestically and internationally, and the fact that the market is so large. And, you know, even with all of our growth, we're at 184 units tomorrow. So, so I think the prospects are really high, both domestically and internationally. So we see that. What are the critical things? You know, we, we, we're pretty we're pretty wonky. We study ourselves and others constantly at Smashburger. And what I would tell you about us is this: that we're never satisfied with our own performance. We're always kind of keeping our finger on the net of what we stand for and kind of fine tuning. The concept we think is pretty much there. The the consumer appeal is there. Our service systems are generally there. You know, there's always room for that kind of improvement in operating side of our business. But at the end of the day, you know, the growth challenges for us come down to the two things away from the things I've talked about. That is the quality of our people and the quality of our real estate. And, and so I would tell you that the day-in, day-out focus for our brand, besides maintaining the energy that we have, we have a tremendous focus on recruiting, keeping, retaining, and training the best people we can find. And, you know, the brand... The brand mantra and the brand buzz has been great for us that way. And the second part of it is partnering with great franchise partners, which is another people issue, but also using them to seek out and garner the best real estate in our markets is a hugely important aspect for a modern brand because you have to be where people live, work, and play, and they have to know that you're there. So so those become the two big focal points that basically – are going to define the integrity and quality of our growth going forward. And I think that the better we play the people and, you know, better we recruit and play the people side of it, and the better we play the real estate game, the more successful we'll be. And, you know, we're focused on it. And I believe in the restaurant business, you get what you focus on. So, you know, we're pretty upbeat and optimistic about this brand. Uh, and, and your enthusiasm is infectious as well. I, 
I noted that Forbes magazine selected you as America's most promising company. What does that entail? I mean, how did you yeah. tell, tell me about that? <laughs> you know, that's, that, was a, that was both a tremendous accolade and at the same time hugely humbling for us. My partner, Dave Prokopak, who's our CEO, and I were in a meeting talking to a potential major partner when we got the phone call that said, you've been nominated. And a month later, we were in a similar meeting, and we got told we were one, and we thought, geez, we won for the restaurant category? And they told us, our, our PR firm said, no, you won in general. And we were like, oh, my God, how can a 140-unit chain burger company become the most promising company in America? And so we were we were shocked. And, and then we talked to them. You know, they called us. We talked to them. We, we knew their criteria. And as it turns out, what they really gave us a lot of credit for, Rick, was really modern and contemporary design and development against what consumers were looking for. And then a major innovation around how we structured our teams and our principles. I've already talked about one smash burger and putting smash burger first. That was clearly part of it. But we took this really entrepreneurial approach of putting very strong functional restaurant people in, in key functions, operations, finance, whatever. And right next to them, we put very keen, young, aggressive business analyst type so that the business decisions, were, the, the, the functional restaurant decisions were always being tempered by great business, both financial and strategic kind of thinking. And, and I think when we, when we were interviewed and Forbes found out that we had this kind of split infrastructure that was really dynamic for anybody, but particularly out of the box for restaurant companies, they said, you know, these guys have a high odds chance of really becoming something. Uh, you know, more than we've seen in a long time from a restaurant company. And so it was like best design and best design and, and really great, you know, focus on people and how to maximize people performance that really got us that award. And to this day, we're honored by it and humbled by it and have a lot of things we have to live up to to live up to that reputation. But it's been good for us in general. But thanks for bringing it up. Uh, it, it, it's a, if you're going to win an award, that is a very good <laughs> titled award to be selected as the recipient for. Yes. I All agree. right. So someone wants to learn more about the concept, the brand, the business, the location. What's your sure. website, Tom? It's, it's very simple. It's smashburger.com. We have a website. Um, there's a way to contact each and every one of us, all of our executive team, whether it's somebody wanting to talk to me or wanting to talk more specifically about marketing or operations or HR. Our senior team is listed there. We're really easy to get a hold of. Most of us answer our own phones when we can. So very accessible and open, but it's smashburger.com. Very easy to get a hold of us. Congratulations on the success. Can, nothing but continued success. I am definitely going to come by your Orange County location. For those of our listeners who might be in Orange County, can you give us a sense for where your first restaurant is? Oh, boy. Um, I knew you were going to ask me that. We're in Alyssa Viejo right next to the Trader Joe's. I don't have the address with me because I just flew in this morning, but if you know the area, we're right there. Uh, know it well. That's great. Hey. So does my engineer, who's a, a foodie. <laughs> He's got his thumb up. We're going to be making a trip over. So thank you graciously for taking time to be on the program. Thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to the Critical Mass community here in Orange County, California, Tom. Rick, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, and love to talk to you again sometime soon. I'm definitely going to have you back on the show in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is an exciting story. And um, I had more questions for Tom than we were able to get to. I, uh, we're going to definitely have him back. I'll talk to our producer, Aaron, 
Johnson, and we will find a time to have him back in the new year. But before we get on to our second guest, Chris Wealth, Chris is going to talk to us about his company, Artemis Search Partners. We're going to take a short time out to spend just a few minutes with our sponsors. And then, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere because we've got an exciting conversation scheduled for our second entrepreneur after these words. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader. Tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This show is one in our series of Critical Mass Radio Shows. On Wednesday, we air our show featuring Orange County nonprofit organizations and their leaders. On Thursday at 3 p.m., our nationally syndicated show, Coast to Coast, features small and mid-market business leaders from across the country. All shows can be heard live here on octalkradio.net or they can be rebroadcast anytime from Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. Also, all the shows can be found from our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, I'd like to uh, welcome our second guest. As I said at the top of the show, he would be joining us right around now, calling us in from vacation. Chris, I appreciate you being on the program and taking time away from doing something obviously more fun than being interviewed on a radio show, but Chris Ralph, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Rick, thanks for having me on. Let's get started by asking a little bit about your professional experience. You know, what were you doing before you guys started? You decided to start Artemis Search Partners. Sure. Well, I started after college. I knew uh, growing up, I always wanted to get into outside sales, and ultimately ended up in inside sales in the recruiting world, but. Took a first job through some relationships I created through college with the company Shaw Industries, who at the time had a highly ranked sales training program. So I figured that would be a good place to start, which sent me out to uh, Dalton, Georgia, from Northern California for about six months, um, and ultimately placed into a territory in Las Vegas. Um, it was in the flooring industry, Berkshire Hathaway Company, so really good experience. 
uh, ultimately just wasn't a gig for me. And after uh, getting a phone call from a friend of mine from college here in Orange County, got introduced to the recruiting world uh, back in about 2004, 2005, uh, and spent some time as an internal recruiter slash headhunter. Um, and then ultimately in late 05, moved over to a small boutique IT staffing firm to start up their permanent placement division. Um, spent a couple of years there. I uh, learned some valuable lessons uh, having to do with the economy and ultimately made the decision to uh, start Artemis Search Partners in 2009. What differentiates your firm in the market? Sure. I think uh, 2009 was obviously an interesting time to go into the business of hiring people. Uh, and as true headhunters, we felt that was a good foundation being the difference. As a headhunter, you're really going after passive candidates. Um, those that are doing well, that are at the top of their game, that aren't even thinking about making a move or have, have a resume out there. And working with the right clients and aligning those candidates with those clients, although it could be a longer process, ultimately is going to get uh, the right candidate in the door to help the growth of that company and lower their attrition rate. So what is your guiding principle? You're right, launching a business during the throws a recession is always challenging, but if you're successful, I think you learn lessons that will serve your company well for its existence. But help me to understand what your guiding principle is as you guys are building and growing your search firm. Sure. My partner and I, when we sat down, we, we really worked with a lot of different advisors and mentors to figure out what was most important when we, when we started the company. And what we decided was we wanted to build, uh, first and foremost, create and maintain a fun culture. Um, so we have that at the foundation, meaning we want to make it so all of our employees feel like they get to go to work. They don't got to go to work. Um, so starting there, we think will resonate with the level that we can provide from a service standpoint to our clients. Um, so that's number one. Competing as a team to win uh, versus competing internally, I think, is number two. I've learned that from being in this, this industry. You can be successful competing against each other, but... Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to grow the business or create the fun environment. Uh, I think doing the right thing, even when it hurts, is an important aspect of, of what we're trying to do or a guiding principle for Artemis. Um, and we really concentrate a lot on the strategy before the numbers. With all the technology out there today that's available to uh, headhunters and recruiters, it's important that you have a strategy versus just being able to pick up the phone and build a relationship. Um, and ultimately, our internal mantra of exceeding all expectations, every search, every time, if we can stick with that, uh, we're going to get the goals accomplished that we want to get done. Interesting. We're going to take a quick time out for our uh, sponsors to have a little bit of time with our audience. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to kind of – I know that you work with – um, everyone from small startups to large Fortune 500 companies. So I'm wondering how you're you're growing against what are larger competitors in your space and sort of what you and your partners are doing to differentiate and you, maybe your direct experience. And if you could explain that to our audience, I think it would be interesting and instructional for them, Chris. So hold on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chris will be back with us. But first, as I said, we're going to spend a minute with our sponsor. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions 
presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. This is the sound of a flat-screen television hurled off a building. Now the new bike your kid wants. These are the things you could have all cast into oblivion. Because when you throw away money on wasted electricity, you throw away everything you could have bought with it. Use Energy Star light bulbs and appliances, and you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you've not seen an episode of Critical Mass TV Show, please go to our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com, where you'll find a link to all of our shows. Each show is an interview with an interesting business leader from Orange County. All right, I want to return to our guest, Chris Relth. And I said before the break, I was going to ask you to share with our audience how you are growing against larger competitors in your industry, Chris. I think one of the, the major um, unique side propositions of what we're trying to do as competing against the larger companies is our ability to truly provide a certain level of service and really jump in and be more of a consultant. Where working with some of the larger firms we compete against, sometimes our clients can end up being just another number. Um, give you an example of that. I just sat down with a, a new client last week. They've been working with another firm um, for the previous entire year. I'd filled seven positions with them, and five of those people had ultimately ended up not being a fit within year one, which it was an entrepreneurial-type company and a significant step back for them. And I think we're, we can get a leg up at sitting down and not just understanding what that particular client's looking for from a technical standpoint, but ultimately what the culture is like at the company and the individual hiring manager's culture and really aligning those things as well is what's going to lower that, that attrition rate and get them the person that's going to help get the company to the next level. Um, and it all comes down, Rick, to, to relationships. We made a, a conscious decision at my old firm. We were working with the very large companies, and you couldn't really see the impact that we had on the organization uh, when they're that large, no matter how many people you hire. Uh, and you're just another number to them. So we switched that methodology around, and we wanted to uh, treat our clients with the level of respect that we wanted to get from them. It's ultimately... If we do that right, we're going to lead to a lot of referral business, which is going to help us with uh, the efficiency and our close ratio on our end. But you do work with larger firms too, don't you? I mean, I said before, uh, you're working with significant Fortune 500 firms as well as the smaller firms. Yes. And when we work with them now, um, as opposed to the past, where a close ratio, for example, um, working with some of those companies could be less than 20%, meaning if we put a position or a search up on the board, we're only closing it 20% of the time. Now we're triple that. Uh, and that reason is even with the larger companies, you really got to take the time to get to understand who that hiring manager is, what their vision is for their particular team, their segment of that business, uh, the vertical of the business, and what they really need and getting the right people and having a success story. If you can have a success story within one of the large companies, and use that as referral there internally. So you can say, hey, I've worked with your counterpart in the East, your counterpart in the West, and we had success, and I'd love to have you have a call with them to understand how we can have a win together. Um, that goes a long way. 
That's one of the unique aspects of your industry is not only are you searching for the client who has the need, but your product is a living, breathing human who has free will. And so even if you find the ideal candidate, there's no guarantee that even if the client wants to hire them, that they want to be hired or that they don't change their mind in the process. You guys have a it's a challenging business model, I think, just because you've you've got you managing people on both ends of the equation who have independent free will. Right. Absolutely. It's not like you build a product, put it on the shelf, and they come and they buy it. You know, it's not like the you know the <laughs> razor goes, "Hey, I don't want to be purchased by you. I've decided to stay with my current you know company." It's like wow. Right. And, and, and that really- can also it can provide an opportunity for us uh, compete against some of the larger firms where they may end up giving up on a search where the client may be a little bit tougher to work with because they didn't take it to that consultant type of level that they needed to. And for us, as we, when we started the company, those are the opportunities we wanted, especially if another firm wasn't getting the job done or if they had failed or there was something missing. Uh, being pretty competitive by nature, we felt that was an opportunity to go in and earn their business if we could get the job done. Um, but you're exactly right. Dealing with people isn't always predictable. <laughs> yeah, and in a tough economy, it's it's um, it's equally challenging, I believe, to get high-performing people who have a great career or track record with a current employer to consider leaving that for, you know, being the newest person on the on another team. That uh, that's always a a risk. Although, frankly, I think as time goes on, then the and the recession moves further and further into our rearview mirror. Um, you know, the, we're seeing, I believe, I'm going to ask you too, do you believe that people are more willing now to take the chance and go for the gold and go for a new career upgrade and leave their existing employer? Do you, are you starting to sense a change in people's mentality? Absolutely, on the, on the candidate side. Uh, they're more open to exploring things. People are, are at least listening a lot more from the candidate perspective. On the client side, uh, it's taken a little bit longer. What, what I've kind of said to describe that is a lot of our clients will look for the candidate that walks on water, but they're going to try to drown them throughout the process. <laughs> um, so going back to the, the 2006, 2007, uh, the same client may have two interviews and then give a sign-on bonus, where now they're asking someone to take a financial pay cut or they're going to put them through eight or nine interviews in a presentation, and these people are, uh, again, passive candidates, and they're generally working. So the process can be grueling, um, which sometimes can be beneficial for, for both the candidate and the client because it gives you a full opportunity to vet out the, the position and see if you uh, can get fully educated and see if it's the right opportunity for you. Yeah, that's a great I- – uh, I don't know that I'll remember it verbatim, but I the concept of what you just said, want somebody who walk on water but drown them in the process, that is that is a very powerful image and one that I think, from what I've heard from others in your profession, is has been true when people are looking for the exact perfect candidate, and then when they find them, they want another one just like that person to have a choice, right? All right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Exactly, we have about five minutes left here on the program today, and I, I have a couple more questions that I was hoping to be able to answer, ask you. So um, sure. I'm, I'm going to ask you about a current challenge that's facing Artemis Search Partners. Can you, can you help our audience to appreciate kind of a challenge that you and the, and the team are facing and what you're doing about it to mitigate that challenge from affecting your future growth? Absolutely. This is an ironic example um, and I hear it throughout the industry. We do a lot of networking with different agencies and firms, and 
Hiring for ourselves uh, was not an issue we anticipated, and it's been one of the larger ones. Uh, until we actually sat down and said, okay, we need to start treating our own positions as if they were a client. Until then, we just weren't successful doing it. Um, and getting to the next level, that's, that's the ultimately the biggest challenge, which has to do with hiring. We're at the point now where, from a bandwidth perspective, we need to uh, bring in more people that can be out in front of clients from a business development standpoint as well as manage some of the processes and strategies. So it's it's realistically kind of the entrepreneurial cycle as I see it. We're to the point now where we have to start delegating uh, a lot more to, in order to get the company to the next level. So that's a, a huge challenge for us right now. Time in the business because, um, and it doesn't, it comes at it, it doesn't matter based on the calendar. It really matters based on the maturity and of the entrepreneur and the growth of the company because um, a lot of times, even entrepreneurs who've been in business longer than, than you and your partners have been are still fighting with the quandary of, do I take the time to train somebody to do it or do I just do it myself? And can they do it as well as I can do it? That's an interesting time in a company's growth when you have to bring in that next level of people who aren't just doers but are uh, responsible for uh, leading people to get work done as well. Right. For me, I've always been a, a attracted to something I may not be the best at and I want to learn how to be good at it uh, and I had an advisor that sat me down and, and put it this way it, how much would you pay yourself to do the job that you're not doing well hourly now take that <laughs> money and go find someone that likes to do it and does it well <laughs> and that was the, the best way to explain it and then I was like oh okay it makes sense now now I can go concentrate on something else so trying to continue to do that and replicate it I think is, is tough because like you said just delegating out things that you're used to doing as the company grows is it's uh, a good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> you know, as I've gotten to know you and your business, I've, I've been impressed. And here on the radio show, you've said it a couple times that y you guys from, from the start have looked to get outside advice into your decision making. You've been willing to, as entrepreneurs, seek and listen to other people's advice and have a board and people invested in helping uh, you guys be successful. I really want to say that publicly here. I being a proponent of the power of peer learning, that's why I do this radio show and everything else that I do all day in, in the business world, I'm, I'm impressed that as entrepreneurs, you guys from day one realize the value of getting outside advice and input. Probably one of the single most important things we've done. Final question for you here today, Chris, on Critical Mass Radio Show. What is the growth prospect for Artemis Search Partners? You know, what's it going to be like? What's the impact on the business as you successfully leverage it? How does it maybe change your world? I'm going to have you back in the future. You're going to be talking about a different company. What are we going to talk, be talking about as rel relative to growth opportunities for your firm? Right. I think uh, two things. Uh, success for us in 2013 is going to come down to growing our internal uh, team members right now into a position where they can take over some of these client relationships. Um, without that, we just simply can't get to the next level. Um, and then also opening our, our temp practice. My business partner's background was all in the temp business where mine came from the permanent side. Uh, but because we've had a, a good deal flow over the last year, we've really concentrated on the perm and haven't put the time into the temp business that we've now allocated over the last month. So success for us would be a, a better uh, – split in the revenue that we produced in 2013 between both permanent uh, searches on the contingent level and temporary business. Those are different business models, aren't they? 
Absolutely. That would be, um, to your first question, headhunting for us on, on the perm side is, is has to be done where when you go to the tent business, um, a lot of that is more on the recruiting side, and I describe recruiting as more the active candidates, those that may be out there on a job board. Um, the tent business is a contractor, say a, a software developer that we would place at a client on a contract for six months, and then they may hire them full time. But completely different business model, um, but absolutely one that we're we're going to go after to be more of a full service shop. I hope you don't mind, but I've mentioned a couple times, both at the open of the show and while you've been here on the program, that you're calling in from vacation. So um, you are on vacation, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? Puerto Vallarta. How's the weather? It's not bad. <laughs> not really here. I'm glad you're on vacation. You deserve it. If someone wanted to find your firm online, tell us your website. Sure, it's uh, www.artemis, A-R-T-E-M-I-S-S-P.com. Thanks for being an interesting guest. Thanks for taking time away from what I'm sure are more fun things than being on the radio program with us. I appreciate you being a part of our business community and a friend of the program. Have a great rest of your vacation, Chris. Thanks for having me, Rick. My Have a good holiday season. You too. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, those were two entrepreneurs at a different stage in their age life, but both creating businesses that are growing and serving a need. I, I hope you've enjoyed our program today and that both of the interviews may have provided you with some insider ideas that you can use directly in your business to make better decisions. Uh, this show, as I said in the open, is brought to you by our sponsors, and we value them greatly, Succession Strategies, Commerce National Bank, and Smart Business Magazine. The engineer for today's show was Paul Roberts. Our producer is Aaron Johnson. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltus. And our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, check out our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. You can also refer radio show guests and TV show guests through that website as well, as well as reach out to me. And until the next show... I hope that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass, the radio show, right here on OCTalkRadio.net.